This is KMTT, Kimitzion Tetzay Torah. It is Tuesday, this is Ezra Bek, the weekly Shi'ur on Ramban Ala Parsha, and this week is Parshat Korach. The Ramban we're going to learn is the opening Ramban of the Parsha, on the opening word of the Parsha, Vayikach Korach, Ben Yitzar, Ben Kahat, Ben Levi, Vedatan, Vaviram. Bnei Ruven, Von Ben Pelet, Von Ben Pelet, Bnei Ruven, etc., etc. The obvious question, which all of Hashem have to answer, is the explanation of the first word, Vayikach Korach. Vayikach means to take, and Korach took. It demands a direct object. You can't take and nothing else. You have to take something. But there is no, there is no direct object in the Pasuk. And the Ramban brings many interpretations and settles on his own. He opens up by quoting Rashi. Vayikach Korach lakach atzmo letzad echad liot nechlak mitoch ha'ida l'orer alakuna. Rashi explains, based on the Targum Unkulus, who says, Vayikach Korach ve'itpaleg Korach. Itpaleg is an intransitive verb. He seceded, he separated himself. Peleg means a division. He divided himself from the rest, meaning from the rest of the of the congregation, of the people. Nechlak mitoch bimachloket. So it's an unusual form of the verb, but vayikach korach means he took himself aside. And according to this interpretation, the uh, the purpose of the pasuk is really to explain that it's theoretically possible for someone to come with a complaint. Mitochaida, many complaints will be like that, but this complaint of Korach was done in secession from the Ida. First, before he could actually come, and then. They came with Ta'anot to Moshe and they said to him, whatever they said to him, and in fact the Ta'anak could very well have been a complaint of the whole people. Maybe they are simply representing the people and they say, why are you lording it over the people? We're all holy in favor of democracy or some other equality-based form of government. Despite the language, the Pasuk therefore emphasized, according to Rashi, Vayikach Korach. Korach's motivation was that in he did not see himself as a representative of the people, but he had separated himself mentally from the rest of the people, meaning it was his own ambition. He was very much speaking for himself, and it's very important to emphasize that because cleverly, the arguments he used did not talk about himself. He never said anything, why am I not? A, B, or C. But as Rashi added, His motivation is anti-Aaron. As Rashi explains in the next Rashi, he's either opposed to the appointment of El Safan or Aaron himself. When you get around to it, it's personal ambition. And the personal ambition is based, is all hinted at in the first word, Vayikach. Korach, Korach seceded. Korach separated himself from everybody else. Looked out for himself. 
According to Rashi, I think Rashi really is a brilliant pshat. As to whether or not it's pshat is another question. Can Vayikach bear that meaning? But in terms of the uh, interpretation of the Pasha, Rashi's pshat is coming to emphasize how unusual it is to have personal ambition causing a problem. Sefer Bamidvah and to some extent Sefer Shemot before that were filled with arguments and contention and difficulties and sins. They weren't based on personal ambition, which after all is the cause of most political strife in the world. But in the history of Am Yisrael, in the Midbar, it was problems of leadership. Cheta Egel was not personal ambition of somebody. Nor is Cheta Maraglim based on the personal ambition of the Maraglim. They didn't disagree with Moshe because they had their own agendas. They were scared. They were ketanei emunah, to use the words of the of the of the of the Gemara. They didn't have the faith necessary to carry the people on their backs into Eretz Yisrael, and that led to the chet and the magaglim in last week's parsha. But korach is really about korach, and according to Rashi, that's found in this word vayikach korach. It would be like saying korach arose. Korach. This is the first time we meet such a thing. The Moshe Rabbeinu has a problem of leadership because of the overweening and ambition and disgruntledness of a particular person with his own private agenda and we should realize that and not pay necessarily that much attention to the actual words he used. On the contrary, we should realize the fact how words and appeals to the people's benefit can very often mask and that's what they're doing here, masking a very personal, separatist agenda. Okay, I skip a little bit. The Raman is eventually not too excited about Rashi's uh, Rashi's pshat, and in fact, a pasuk which Rashi had quoted from Iov, where one of the friends had said to Iov, "Mai which Rashi quotes as a proof to his pshat. In other words, it means there also. Uh, why are you taking yourself to the side? The man says that's not the pshat there either, and therefore that's not the pshat of the of the Midrash, which quoted that Pasuk, to interpret our Pasuk in Korach. Naman's Pshat is, Aval Kavanat HaMidrash Bevayikach Korach Shalakach Eitza Bilibo Laasot Ma Sheyisaper. The word Vayikach is a preparatory word. It means he considered, he deliberated. Lakachat Eitza Bilibo. He consulted with himself which is what the word Vayikach means when it's a mental process. When it's a physical process, I take you. But the mental process is called Vayikach. As exemplified in the Pasuk in Yov, Kein the man says it means you deliberate what thoughts arise in your heart. What has your heart, what thoughts has your heart given to arise? What thoughts have arisen in your heart? Or what has your heart caused you to think about? Considerations, deliberations, debate, internal debate, is called vayikach. To take, meaning to take counsel with oneself. Ki amer al the verb lakachat is used in concern with, in connection with, 
counsel and thoughts. In other words, I think the literal translation according to the Ramban should be Vayikach Koach and Koach deliberated. He consulted with himself. Now, uh, the Ramban explains, I'm skipping this part, explains why why that's the meaning of the Pasuk in Iov, where uh, the friend Eliphaz was saying to Iov, what uh, what thoughts are you hiding? Are you in fact um, being heretical? Are you in fact denying God's providence? Okay, but that 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 that's the Eov problem. Let's go back to our problem. Amar Oda Midrash. He quotes the proof of Midrash. Vayachlok, vayidaber, vayitzav korach inonema. The the Midrash says that it doesn't mean to separate oneself. Otherwise it would say, Vayachlok Korach. The Pasha is Machlok et Korach Vadatah. That, that's the words that Chazal use always. To summarize this Pasha, it's a Pasha of Machloket, of dispute. But it doesn't say, Vayachlok Korach, Vayidaber Korach, Vayitzav Korach, Ele Vayikach, Malakach. Midrash says, what did he take? Taking is a, taking demands a, it's a transitive verb, but demands a, an object. Lo Lakach Klum. The answer to the Midrash is, Ele Libon Natalo. So you could interpret the Midrash to mean something else, but Yikach Korach, Korach is the direct object. Halev Lakach et Korach. He was swept away by his heart, by his, which would mean that what? I think this is a perfectly good interpretation of the Midrash, but that's the interpretation of Ban gives. But the Midrash might have meant another Pshat, by Yikach Korach. Korach was taken. Halev Lakach Oto. Halev Lakach et Korach. And it would mean, not quite like Rashi, not that it was, he separated himself, but that he was swept up in his baser instinct. Again, it means ambition or jealousy. But the Pasuk is coming to tell us that it's not intellectual. Korach is not what it sounds like. Later on, he comes and says, He has a democratic principle. But it's coming to say that he's being driven or taken, taken is the Hebrew word, but we would say it in English, he's being driven by stronger powers than his actual intellect. The Ramban, however, says that that's not the Pshat in the Midrash, because to the Ramban it's clear that the word lev, which us very often means passions, we think the heart is the seat of the passions and the brain is the seat of thoughts, but to the Ramban it's clear that the heart is the seat of thoughts, which frankly is true in Chazal. You think with your heart. And therefore the Ramban says, what the Chazal means is Huma Shepirashti. Eitzah lakach belibo. You take counsel in your heart. You deliberate. You think. And therefore, the Rabbin, it's clear that if the Midrash says, Libo natalo, it means his thoughts motivated him. He first thought about it and then he followed through in a plan. So, what is the Rabbin's point? Or what is the Torah's point according to the Ramban? Why does the Torah emphasize that this particular action of Korach, as opposed to all the other actions described in the Torah, was preceded by a likicha, by a consultation? Remember, according to Rashi, I said, it comes to tell us that, as opposed to all the other actions which take place in Bamidbar, this is a personal thing. Vayikach, he separated himself. That's an important point to make. But according to Ravan, why wasn't the Torah tell us that Korach didn't just act, he thought first? That most people probably think and strategize before they, before they do what they do. So I think according to Ramban, 
we have to say that the Torah is emphasizing that Korach schemed. That's Korach deliberated. He, he took counsel, meaning what's going to take place afterwards. Rabban said, who, lakach laasot He took counsel in his heart to do that which then will be described. It's coming to tell us that what takes place in the next couple of psukim is a plan. To use a somewhat more negative word, it's a scheme. It's well thought out. It wasn't an, a, an emotional outburst. But Koach has a real plan, which I think is the hint to tell us that we should look beyond the obvious pshat in what takes place. And this is part of a, a, a um, approach in Chazal that Korach is, is motivating other people. After the Pasuk begins, Vayikach Korach, even though there are three, four people mentioned. And then there are 250 people mentioned. And then perhaps even more because Ramban, which we won't get to read, but Ramban is worried later on, God implies that all of Israel, all the Jews are somehow guilty of something. And so the answer is that Korach has a scheme. For Korach to do a revolution, he can't do it on his own. And therefore what takes place in the next few psukim is Korach presenting arguments, talking to people. He, he has a very well-developed plan, scheme, a rather devious scheme to overturn, as Ramban believes, he says it later on, to overturn Moshe and Aaron and the Levim and the Kohanim. He wants to overturn the entire social structure of leadership that has been instituted in the previous couple of Pashiot. Now we're going to come back to this interpretation of the Ramban in the future. Ramban now does something else, and this is very clever what Ramban does, if I want you to pay attention. He, he explains that the Talgum Unculus, which Rashi had quoted, the Itpaleg, which really means what Rashi said, they separate themselves, but the Ramban is convinced that that's not the Pshat. So he says, Unculus didn't mean to say it's the Pshat. Unculus is not translating, he says. It's not the translation of the word Vayikach. He separated himself. Unkos is simply explaining what took place here. Ramban claims that very often Unkos does not give a good translation, does not give a literal translation, but he explains ha'inyan. He explains what's going on, and Unkos didn't mean to interpret the word vayikach as the itpaleg. He separated himself. Because I'm right and, and they're wrong. Okay, that's A. B. Rabbi Avraham, Ibn Ezra, has another pshat. Vayikach means to take. Vayikach koach anashim. Derech tzara. Ibn Ezra says, the pasuk is shortened. It's missing the direct object, but it means vaykach korach b'datan vaviram b'nei riyav on ben pelad b'nei ruvain. It means he took them v'vayakum etochida v'chamishim u'matayimish. He took them as well. The pasuk is simply shortened, a shortened form. Derech tzara. So the Ramban says, you know, that that's not a bad pshat. He doesn't think it's right. He has his own pshat. But he says, you know, it could be, Vayikach koach et ha'anashim b'bnei Yisrael chamishum v'tayim, Vayakum b'bnei Moshe. In other words, Korach later on clearly has an edah. He has a, a, a large group of people with him. Where those people come from? So 250 are mentioned here. So that's what means Vayikach. Vayikach koach, he took people. How do you take people? You persuade them. You, you don't necessarily grab them. Okay, but he took people with him. 
But man doesn't really reject this pshat. Interestingly enough, he, he said what the right pshat was before. We, I, we quoted it. Uh, that which he began with, um, with the words when, uh, when he said, you know, this is my pshat. Kavanat hamidrash hu she. But he says, okay, I'm going to explain this. If you explain that way, it means it's 250 people. Why is Ramban being nice to Ibn Ezra? So let's read a little bit further. Ramban now argues with Ibn Ezra as to when Pashat Korach took place. It's sort of like out of time. It's just an incident. There's no date or anything. So Ibn Ezra says it took place much earlier. It took place when they were still in Midbar Sinai before they started moving in Pashat Balotcha and they set out on their path to El Yisrael. It took place beforehand. Why does Ibn Ezra say that? Because he thinks that the main machloket of Korach was against the Levi'im. Again, since Vaikach Korach and Hashim, he took people, the question is not what is Korach's motivation, what is the people's motivation? And Ibn Ezra claims that the machloket is on the Bechorim Neged Halavim. Obviously, that's not what Korach is after, because Korach is a lady. So that's part of the scheming. That's why I go back to the scheming pshat in the Ramban. Korach deliberated. Well, this, Ramban doesn't reject Ibn Ezra because his pshat works out with the next point of Ibn Ezra. Ibn Ezra says that there's a big difference between Korach's motivation and his group's motivation. Because Ibn Ezra claims that the group's motivation is Al Bechirat Halavi'im. And that's why the Ibn Ezra claims that why did it take place now? It must have taken place earlier when it was done, not, not months later. It was done in Pashat before they set out on the journey from Har Sinai, Pashat Balotcha. That's when this took place. And Korach is in fact the motivator. Vayikach Anashim, says the Ibn Ezra. But the content of the Machloket is totally different. It's about the Bechorim who lost their jobs, and the Leviim, who succeeded uh, the Bechorim in their jobs as being the Kohanim Vahalavim. Ibn Ezra explains it in a complicated manner. He says, after all, the, apparently also Leviim, like Korach and maybe other Leviim, were involved because they didn't like the Levi's job. They, after all, were given to be basically servants to the Kohanim. So they were jealous of the Kohanim of Avon. And the Bukhorim were upset that the Levim were anybody at all as opposed to them. And for good measure, the Ibn Ezra throws in the Tan Vaviram, they're not Bukhorim, they were Uvein. Uh, they were upset that the Uvein wasn't the Bukhor anymore. Or, what the man will say eventually is that perhaps the Tan Vaviram were Bukhorim Korach was a Bukhar. In any event, Ibn Ezra places at a specific time at when the social structure of the Jews was arranged, which was some months earlier, that's when this took place. I think Rabban basically is going, to, is going to disagree rather violently. But he likes the idea which fits in with his own pshat. Ibn Ezra connects it to his pshat. Vaikach korach people. How could he take people? He take people who are disgruntled. Who are the disgruntled people? The Bukhorim. The man says vaikach korach. Korach deliberated, which will allow the man to say that it did take place many months later. Because if you think 
and invest a lot of thought, you can arouse a machloket later. It wasn't a spontaneous uprising. It was Korach pulling strings. If the man says, you know, Ibn Ezra doesn't believe in Mugdamu Muhabba Torah. Ain Mugdamu Muhabba Torah. Ibn Ezra very often changes the chronological order. But I, as I've explained to you in the past, Ramban is speaking, no, not me. The man says, I've explained to you in the past, I say that the Torah takes place in chronological order unless there's a clear indication that it's not. And therefore, this took place in Midbar Paran. Achar Maseh Maraglim. They've already left Midbar Sinai, they've Midbar Paran. They've had the whole story of the Maraglim, which takes some time. And only afterwards does the story of Korach take place. And why does it take place now? He says, what Chazal explained, Rashi brings it in another Pasuk, El Tzafan was appointed to be Nasi for B'nai Kat, and Korach was, was personally angry about that. But that's not what takes place in the content. Ah, that's by Yikach Korach. He goes back to his own shot. Korach is scheming. He has his own agenda, but he's scheming, he's plotting, he's thinking, he's consulting with himself. There's a great deal of deliberation. And that's why it can take place late. In fact, the, the Ibn Ezra is more or less correct. There probably are Bukhorim who are coming to complain. Everybody has their own personal complaint here. That's the genius of Korach. That he incites them in order to further his own agenda. So this, I think, is the Ramban coming back to his own pshat. That we should understand the Machlokat of Korach as being a very complicated thing, and therefore it's preceded by Vayikach Korach. Korach invested a great deal of thought. There's nothing spontaneous here. The Ibn Ezra thinks it's somewhat spontaneous. The Levim were chosen, and the Bechorim rebelled. Ramban says, no, 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 it takes place at no particular time. Months later. But there is festering under the surface, an accumulated Grievance, by Yikach Korach, Korach takes counsel. He figures out how to light the fuses. And everybody has their own, their own particular beef, and Korach is the manipulator. By Yikach Korach, in the in the part of Ayikach, the man is willing to accept that too. Ayikach Korach and Hashem, he manipulated people, or in the man's pshat, Korach took counsel how to manipulate people. So it's two very different interpretations of the word Ayikach. But for the man, really, the main point is going to be the next point. The main point is that Korach is scheming, manipulating, pulling strings, and his motivation. And the things that take place and are said by Datan, Baviram, the 250 people, and Korach himself, do not express what's really in Korach's head. And that fits into both Perushim. The Ramban likes his own, own, own shot that the Torah stresses that Korach planned, because how can you possibly say one thing and meet another if you haven't planned it all out? So Korach planned. And Ben Ezra's shot that he persuaded people, took people, is also very good in Ramban's eyes from the point of view of the conclusion, because again, what the people will say and what he will put in their mouths will not be the same thing as he is saying in his own heart. And now the Ramban explains why today. It took place today perhaps because of what Chazal said that Korach was upset today, because that's Safan had just been appointed. And then the Ramban puts out another point, that when the Jews were in Sinai, none of them would have argued with Moshe Rabbeinu. Because in fact, things were good. That makes an interesting point here. 
He says, Nothing bad happened to the Jews previously when they were in Hasinai. You say, what do you mean? There was Chet Ha'egel. Jews were killed. He says, very few. People were killed until they knew that they were they knew they had sinned. Many people sinned. They knew they were saved by Moshe Rabbeinu who had spent 40 days and nights praying for them and they knew that. Whatever Moshe Rabbeinu did, they accepted because they loved him because they knew that he had saved them. And he had, he had not just saved them, he had saved them in Mesirus Nefesh. 40 days, 40 nights, praying for them. Anyone, says Ramban, who would have rebelled against Moshe, the people would have killed They would have defended Moshe Rabbeinu with their lives. And therefore Korach accepted the appointment of Aaron, which he's clearly jealous about. The real thing Aaron, that Korach wants to be is to be the Kohen Gadol. And the Bechorim had suffered the choice of the Levim, even though it rankled. But they accepted it because Moshe Rabbeinu said to do it. But when they came to Midbar Paran, and Moshe Rabbeinu in Pashat B'Shalach, in the Pashat HaMitavim, didn't, didn't, doesn't seem to be really, he's not defending the Jews. He complains to God, what am I going to do, what am I going to do? And then people get killed in the Magifa. Moshe Rabbeinu didn't save them. And the Meraglim, Moshe Rabbeinu didn't save the Meraglim. And the Meraglim were killed. And then the main thing, the Jews are told they're going to spend the next 40 years and die in the desert. So this is the background crack in the Jews' support and belief, unquestioned belief in Moshe Rabbeinu. That's the time for Korach to fan the accumulated grievances and fires that had been simmering perhaps beneath the surface but were totally in control and now could burst out into a general revolution. So again, I think this all comes back to the Laman Pshat, Vayikach Korach. Korach bided his time. He waited. He schemed. He planned. He plotted. And now, Vayavod Lifnei Moshe, and maybe even more people could be drawn into it because politically the time is ripe now. The reasons for the machloket was earlier. Korach is angry at Aaron. Bechorim are angry at the Levim. And the Tanvaviram are angry whatever they're angry at. It doesn't make a difference even. But now is the time to light the match. Vayikach Korach. Korach figured out how to think a great deal to realize that this is the time and this is the right opportunity to spring his to spring his plot. As Matzah Korach Makom Lachlok Al Ma'asav to rebel against Moshe, Bechashav Ki Yishmu'u Elav Ha'am and he believed that the people would support him. The Ramban points out later on the people did not support him. Moshe Rabbeinu says he badlu. And the people get up and they leave Korach alone. That in fact there isn't a sin here. Of, of the people. Korach is unsuccessful in mobilizing all of the people, as opposed to the Miraglim, who did mobilize all the people. In fact, the Ramban last week's Pasha also said that the people weren't really accepting the Miraglim. Yoshua and, 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 uh, Kalev had some success, but that the Miraglim worked all night. They went from 
tent to tent and they eventually got all the Jews to support them. But Koch did not succeed. One of the things that the Tan Vavivam say is, they said, Moshe Rabbeinu, you're going to kill us all in the Midbar. That's a line which should have resonated with all of the Jews. And, and Koch thought it would. You're probably going to kill our children as well. Our children will also die here. And, and the belief of Moshe Rabbeinu is much more difficult now because Moshe Rabbeinu isn't really defending them. A very important point. Moshe Rabbeinu is not the same leader or the same defender of the Jews that he was in Sefer Shemot. He says it was right after the Meraglim. There's no connection between Korach and the Meraglim. The connection is in the ground. Is the ground ready for what Korach has in mind? Yes, the Meraglim are the direct cause, not of the things that they're arguing about, but in the belief of Korach, the schemer, that he can get the Jews to support him because of what happened after the Meraglim. Rabban says, Vakarov keyu eila hanikalim kulam b'cholot. Rabban claims that at least the 250 people who came with Korach, they were all firstborn. That was the first group. Eventually, Korach believes he can get everybody to support him because they just, they just won't believe in, in Moshe Rabbeinu anymore. All those who are going to die, which is everybody. But the immediate group had to be someone who had a real grievance. And therefore, the Mabban says, yeah, the, the, the Ibn Ezra's idea is correct. The grievance is Leviim and Bechorim. So those people who had been disenfranchised, the firstborn, they're the ones to come. But you don't need to connect it to the time of the disenfranchisement. You need to connect it, the Mabban says, to the time of the disenchantment. When has Moshe Rabbeinu lost his luster? Then old complaints will, surf, will suffer, will surface. Or, I think what the man is saying, that old complaints can be fanned and they will surface. So Karach sees the opportunity, Vayikach, and he figures out, now is the time to, I'm going to use the Ibn Ezzabshat. Karach deliberates, and then he takes these people, meaning he incites these people. So the real pshat, the Ramban says, is that Korach deliberated. The Ramban, the Ibn Ezra is not bad, because that took place also. Korach incited the people. That's why he was planning. He was planning how to get them to, to take place. He incited, he took them. But the Ibn is completely wrong about the time. The time isn't when they were upset. The time is when did Korach think he could reignite the old, buried, um, rancor, ayah, which these people, specifically the firstborn, had perhaps been feeling beforehand, but had put aside because of their love and belief in Moshe Rabbeinu. I think this, this, this Pshad of the Ramban, the complicated Pshad of the Ramban, was Ramban's Pshad is Vaikach, he consulted. But the way the Ramban then works it out in terms of his argument with the, with the Ibn Ezra when it took place, it's a very typical of the Ramban. The Ramban will say things which make sense according to the Ramban, even though he doesn't necessarily stress it. He doesn't connect it to it. But I think that's the way his mind is working here. And it all works out beautifully in the Ramban in the end. 
And Mesach HaKod, Ramban really gives us a very interesting picture here of not so much Korach. Korach is a scheme of a platter. In that sense, Rashi is also correct. He's an individual. But Ramban is pointing out how if you invest enough thought, if you do enough scheming, you have a chance. Korach succeeded partially, not quite as well as he thought, of making it into a general insurrection because there are these buried personal motivations. And the people have in fact buried them. The people aren't bad, but they're human. So the Bechor, the firstborn, has, has a real complaint. But he's smart enough and good enough to have put it aside. He's not wonderful enough not to have cared, and perhaps why should he not care? They really lost a very valuable thing. They could have been themselves the servants of God. Perhaps Kohanim, perhaps Levim. So it's natural and normal and not something to be denigrated that deep down buried in the Bechor is a teeny little bit of a feeling saying why them and not me? Why he? Why the Levi and not me? That's normal. That's okay. And they handled it. They handled it well. They loved Moshe Rabbeinu and they accepted the will of God. But since it's there, a schemer, a, a, a brilliant person like Korach can fan it into something much more than it was beforehand. When you need a proper opportunity, which according to Ramban is the fact that the Jews are on the verge of despair, they've lost everything, and therefore the belief in Moshe Rabbeinu is cracked, is broken and you need somebody it still won't happen you need someone to get up and figure out think deliberate how to do it but with the proper thought and the proper opportunity you can turn good people into bad people it's worth noting that Koch didn't really succeed in the end Moshe Rabbeinu succeeded in dividing those who went with Koch and those who wouldn't go with Koch those who didn't go with Koch are the Vov the overwhelming majority of the Jews only 250 people, plus a few others, are going to, are going to perish in the part of Karach. But, but the Habamin was also good. Karach thought he would succeed, meaning that you should be aware of that, that it could succeed, and he did succeed for some people, who themselves were not bad people, they were the Bukharot. Other Mufashim said they were actually with Sadiqim, but the Ram doesn't say that. Then Siv likes to emphasize that the people who went to bring the Ketoret, 250 people, were, were great people who were misled by their desire to, to come closer to God. And that doesn't say that. But he says they were innocent people, at least in the beginning. They had spent many months since they had been demoted. And they'd been happy most of the time. But sometimes, that could change. And I think in terms of Musa, we should be aware of that. Rabban is saying how the history isn't just that there are people, with their, there are bad people and good people. Bad people want things for themselves. People people give up things if it's the will of God or, or, or because they've been convinced that's the right thing to do. But when you give up something, it leaves it leaves a little bit of a seed. It leaves a little hole because you have given up. You give it up willingly, maybe even happily, but there's still a little hole. And you have to watch out. We have to watch out. They have to watch out that that should not be exploited by truly devious, scheming, evil people like Korach. And that's it for today. 
We'll be back next week with another Shir on the Ramban on Pasha for next week's Pasha. And until then, Kol Tuv, you've been listening to KMTT. Ki Mitzion Tetzei Torah Udvar Hashem Yerushalayim.